into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as the supreme authority or to the governor who, who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you, will, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honor the emperor. Let me pray. Father, help us to understand what you have revealed to us through your servant Peter. Help us to believe and help us to obey as we uh, leave from this place, even to morning tea and into our week. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I've been, been told that girls really like uh, big rocks. I've been told, young men, if you want to impress the chicks, go and find a very expensive big rock. That was, I did, I've done a bit of research online, as you do, and I've looked up some expensive big rocks online. And I, I've come up with some options here. How about this one? Isn't that a ripper, eh? You reckon she'd like that one? What about this one? You can see how nice that sits on the palm. Just beautiful. How could she resist you? Or this. bit different. You see how big that is? You've got the little one centimetre cube next to it. See how big that rock is? So I found this one. This is the last one. Oh, what a beauty. That's actually got a name. It's, it's the Petersburg Eucharite achondrite. Absolutely beautiful. Uh, these are very expensive, very rare rocks you'll look, you've just looked at photos of. Sure to impress any girl. In fact, they are so, they're, they're out of this world, these rocks. In fact, they are meteors. Every single one of them came from outer space and is alien from another place. Did you know that people hunt for meteors? 
and they collect medias. There's a very, very big business in media art hunting. If you are hunting for a media, generally you go to a desert place because when the medias fall in... We'll, hold, go back, we'll go back, we'll go back one. General, this one's in Saudi Arabia. So there's a desert. Now, if you're looking... It's, you go to the desert because when the media falls in the jungle, they're pretty hard to find. But when the media falls in the desert, they tend to, even after many, many years perhaps be sitting on the top. So you get your metal detector, but your eyes are the biggest thing. This one's in Saudi Arabia, this media that somebody found. That's a ripper. This one's in California, a Californian meteorite. What a beauty. Very, very expensive. Out of this world, rocks. Did you know that God is like a meteor hunter? He is looking for special, chosen, precious alien stones that others might just walk over and reject or fall over. God is looking for precious alien stones. In particular, he has a living stone that he collects and has found through which he creates other living stones in our passage, chapter 2, verse 4. As you come to him, you believers, in Jesus, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. The man, Jesus of Nazareth, the Son of God, come to our earth, as we've sung, in flesh, was rejected by humans, rejected by most men. He was nothing special, but he was chosen and precious to his Father. And starting with Jesus, the Father begins his rock collection, a most peculiar, set-apart collection of foreign alien stones that don't fit in, that stand out in the desert. Exiles, you might call them. Foreigners, aliens, exiles fit for mission, fit for purpose, chosen by God for purpose. Now, why does God collect these stones? Well, if you're a rock collector, you put them in a cabinet in a special room and you take your friends in to see your rock collection. Maybe you've some rock collectors amongst us. And if you're one of the friends, you'll go in and you'll look at the rock collection in the cabinet and you'll say, oh, wow, and you'll smile. And then you'll leave and you say, finally, I'm out of there. Why does God collect these rocks? Well, God has a purpose. He's not putting them in a cabinet. With his chosen and precious foreign rocks, these stones, he is building a house. It's a house like no other, built with exilic discards. As you come to him, the living stone, that is Jesus, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into, be a, into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. God's building technique is like no other. He starts with the cornerstone. Well, that's fairly ordinary. You start with the cornerstone. That's not surprising, but God's cornerstone for his building is his son. In Jesus, God took on human flesh like us. 
He came to our world, our messy world. He was the ultimate exile, away from home, in a foreign land. He was righteous. Chapter, later in chapter 2, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. And he bore the punishment for our sin, our rejection of God, of God in his death on the cross. And the Father raised him on the third day and through him there is new life, there is resurrection hope. And in him we can be forgiven. We can be cleansed, we can be fitting to come to God, to be accepted by God, to approach God, to be with God. So God starts, the Father starts with his son, this building process, this precious chosen man, the perfect man. And as you come to the son, guess what? You are transformed. It's like you go out into the desert, you pick up a rock, just a dead old rock, you come and bring the dead rock to the living stone and suddenly... You've got building material, another living stone. That's how God builds. He gets another dead stone from the desert, comes to the cornerstone, to Jesus, transformed, in, and there's another brick in the wall, a living stone. As God builds this living house from these discards so that they become foreigners and aliens, exiles in this world as God builds them into a house. God has a purpose in this rock collection. He's building. It's not just any old building. God is building a temple. God is building this house. It's for his habitation. It's his house for his dwelling, his presence. You, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ Jesus. Then Peter quotes the prophet Isaiah. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay lay in Zion. This is the city of God. This is Jerusalem. I lay in Zion a chosen and precious cornerstone. And the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. The one who comes to the cornerstone will never be shamed, but will be built into this house, this temple. And it's not a physical temple, it's a living, breathing, spiritual house. It's community, God's house. It's people. And there is one high priest in this temple, the Lord Jesus, who has opened up the way for us to be forgiven and to come to God. And we, as we come to Jesus, we're also turned into priests, people who can approach God directly, People who can praise God. People who can serve God. People who can offer sacrifices. The sacrifices of their bodies as a living sacrifice, as Paul says in Romans. People who offer sacrifices of praise and thanksgiving with their lives. That you are worthy, Lord. They become priests. And this house of God... It represents God in the world as a temple should. It's kind of like the embassies if you go to Canberra. That's the Chinese embassy. Do you think it looks a little bit Chinese? Just a bit. This is the American embassy. Does it look a little bit American? Just a bit. 
This is the New Guinean High Com- Papua New Guinea High Commission. It represents the nation. If we have a look over Canberra, there's a shot here. And you can see the New Guinea High Commission and the Chinese Embassy. They're standing out saying, we represent our nation. So God's house is to represent God in the world, to display his power and glory and to bless others. That's what God's doing with this old rock collection that you might be part of, building us into a house house that will stand out and testify to his glory and his kingdom for those who believe. It's a great house. Now, to you who believe, this stone, this cornerstone that builds this house on, this is precious. Amen. And you can understand everybody would want to come and be transformed by Jesus and forgiven and cleansed and given new eternal life. But Peter, again quoting the Old Testament, says this, But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. Many reject it. The builders reject it. And a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message which is what they were destined for. Jesus offers life if you come to him, transformation. But for many that is an offence. I'm doing okay in the desert by myself, thank you. Aren't I good enough on my own? Do I need to come to this Jesus, this man, to be transformed go away I'm just fine I'm quite at home where I am which is just being another dead rock out in the field in Saudi Arabia or the Nullarbor Plain rubble and so there's two outcomes there's transformation in Jesus to be one of these foreign rocks which are built into God's living house where he dwells or there's continuity which is just stay where you are and reject the living stone so that in fact you stumble over the living stone. You can be perfectly at home and you can fit in and blend in or you can be transformed transformed and placed in an eternal home be an exile in this world, a foreigner who doesn't fit in. But but in God's eyes, there are those who are fit for purpose because God has a purpose for his house. There are those who fit to be built into these and then there are the discards. That's pretty extreme but that's the reality. There's the rubble and there's the bricks. We've been doing a lot of building at our house over recent years. It's very simple what happens. I'll tell you what happens. They bring a big bin called a skip. They put it in your driveway. Lots of things come into the house. Lots of things in the house get turned up. There are only two destinations. You're either built into the house, built into the project, or you go in the skip. You are either in the house 
or you are in the skip. That's all that happens in a building project. And the skip gets taken away to the dump. There is only one kingdom of God. There is only one eternal house. And you're either in that house or you're in the skip, the discards. Cast away from God's presence, cast away from God's glory, unfit for his kingdom. The difficulty is in this world it's a lot easier to blend in, to just stay in the desert. And Peter here is writing to Christians who are suffering because they've become exiles. They've become these meteorites that don't quite fit in. And he's encouraging them. I want you to be clear on what he's encouraging. We've already looked at all this, but Peter kind of repeats it in verses 9 and 10, which are our theme verses for this year. We tried to learn them as a memory verse through a series of kids' talks. We've sung them a couple of times, at least verse 9. Let's just be clear who you are if you are in Christ. But you, you're not those being going to the skip, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You're in the collection. You're in the house. That you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness, out of the desert, into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, once you were just lost in the desert, now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, you had not been forgiven, now you have received mercy. What a transformation. Yes, we are exiles. Yes, we will be ill-fitting in this world, but we are perfect for God's house because we're chosen. We're, We're a royal priesthood to serve God, to declare his praises, We're a holy nation. We've been cleansed by Jesus. Jesus, we've come to him and he shaped us and formed us and says, you fit. A holy nation. You're God's special possession. You've been chosen. You're now in exile for a purpose, for a mission, that you might declare the praises of the one who called you out of darkness, out of the desert, and into his wonderful light. Just remember who you are. Yeah, has anybody seen Buckingham Palace? Wow, Buckingham Palace. The home of the Queen of England. It's nothing compared to Versailles, the old homes of the kings of France. Versailles is opulent in extremis. The palaces of the mighty and powerful. They represent the glory of the king. They represent security and presence. The king lives here and power and home. God is building his palace out of you who are in Christ Jesus that you might display and declare God's glory. Look at my palace that you might declare God's presence and God's power. Look at my palace. Look at my people that you might be home, God's home in this world even though you don't fit in to this world. 
And we don't display God's glory and power through pomp and through lavish expenditure such as Versailles, but through how we behave. In the face of opposition, in the face of rejection, how do you respond? That's where we will see God's glory and power. In this series, Exiles Fit for Mission. You show God's glory by being a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Now, I want to say this, and I want you to hear this very, very clearly. If you are in Christ Jesus, that is this, if you're just a believer, a Christian, if you are in Christ Jesus, then you are in exile. And God wants you to be at home in this world. I want to say it again. If you are a Christian, as an exile, God wants you to be at home in this world. Now, doesn't that contradict everything I've said in the last two talks? That's, a, that's an absolutely true statement though. God wants you to be at home in this world. But you've got to ask yourself, where is home? You've got to ask, where is my true home? Because where that is, and if you're in Christ Jesus, that should be in this spiritual house. That's where God wants you to be in this world. At home. Because this place, this fallen world, is not our home. He wants you, and you spend too much time there. Too much time in your sin and rejection. He wants you to be at home. In your true home. Peter puts it like this in verse 11. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from the sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Give them up. Live such good lives amongst the pagans in this world that they, may, they accuse you of doing wrong. They may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. In this messy, hell-bent world in which we live, God's house must be in good order. And you're part of that house. He wants you to be home. He wants you to be organised. He wants you to be declaring his praises. He doesn't want you to be messy. You know, you, you go to, the, let's say, the a Chinese embassy in Canberra and you walk through the gates and it's just all run down and you go inside and it's just filth everywhere. That's terrible. How could the Chinese nation let that happen? That, that shouldn't be. The embassy has to represent the nation. When people, in, when people in this world encounter the people of God, God's spiritual house, we've got to be in order. We represent the king. We represent another kingdom. They must see our good deeds and say, my, what good order. This is otherworldly. Church is not really about having rosters filled and putting on a good show, although those things can be significant in our life. Church is far more about how we love and care for one another 
how we live by faith and not by sight, how we relate to one another, how we love God and the love of God bursts out of us, how the fruit of the Spirit are on display each and every day in community. That's what church is about, declaring God's praises, having the house in order. It means, as the people of God, submitting to the state in which we live. The, 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 the authorities of this world order, submit yourselves to the Lord's sake to every human authority, to the emperor as the supreme authority, to governors. For it's by, it, it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the talk of foolish people. When people oppose you, when the authorities oppose you, just tell them to shut up. Uh, you know how you tell them to shut up? Not by telling them to shut up, but by being righteous by loving and caring and serving in a way that they cannot ignore. There are many complex issues in our world today. There's a lot of debate at the moment, as you know, about same-sex marriage. That debate strikes at the heart of things that we as believers consider central, the good created order of God the health of our society, the health of children growing up in healthy families. It it strikes us deep. It should. We've got the whole issue of the American... I know it's the United States, but you've got the whole presidential election coming up. And you think 330 million people and... Oh, my goodness me. This is what you come up with? And what's that mean for our world? It's disturbing, isn't it, a bit? What do you do? Remember that you are an exile. Remember that you belong to another kingdom, that you're being built into another house. Submit to the authorities and do good. Make sure there is order in the house. Don't give up on the truth. But don't expect the truth, don't expect your ethics, don't expect your standards of being decent to people to be willingly accepted in this world. But just keep doing good. Keep manifesting the kingdom of God. Keep loving and serving. Keep listening. Keep sacrificing. Remember, you're an exile. You don't fit in. People won't always like that. But keep doing good. Often in parliamentary debates, the speaker might call out, Order in the house. Order, order, order in the house. Come on, you rabble, get some order. We may have very genuine desires about the American election about North Korea, about same-sex marriage, about all sorts of issues in the political sphere. But first, (laughs) I think if we're going to be faithful to God, first we need to worry about order in the house. That's our house. Because if there's not order in our house, we haven't got a witness. We do not have a voice. It's supposed to be the sort of order that's noticeable 
as we speak the truth in love and as we are rejected for that, but there's order in this house that people cannot speak against because they see our good deeds and you can't argue with that. Live as free people because you're free. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. You know, the same-sex marriage debate, live as free people, but don't use it. Remember your God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. That's how it is to live at home. In God's home that he's built you into. Being at home in this world. Just make sure you know where your home is. You know, baseball, everyone runs for home base. Got to get back to home base. That's the whole point. Getting back to home base. We all run to home base. Each one of us runs home. A lot of that is shaped by how you grew up. You know, you know that. You know, you grew up the first 10, 15 years of your life, you had a sense of home, you had a sense of... And, and your responses to home end up being baggage or joys you live with pretty much your whole life. And when things go, get stressful, you tend to run home to the things you learnt in your birth home and the responses you learnt. And that's one of the reasons why marriage is so hard. You've got people running to two different homes. It's instinctive to want to go home. When the pressure's on, when you're feeling stressed, it's instinctive for us all to want to go home. So I want to challenge you just in closing with two things. When the pressure is on, when life is unfair, when things are not going your way, when God has been unreasonable, where do you run? Where's home? Do you run to yourself? Particularly if you're young, you often do. I can get through this. Stumble, fall, fall, stumble. Even when you're older, I can get through this. Stumble, fall, crash. Do you run to yourself when the going gets tough or do you run to Jesus, the living stone? Do you know where your home is? Let me ask you another question. Like that song, Blessed Be Your Name. When things are bad, blessed be your name, Lord. What about when things are good? What about when the shackles are off? What about when there's, the restrictions are gone? What about, you know, if you're on a business trip? What if you're somewhere and everything's going my way and I'm on top of the world and all the restrictions and all the... Where do you run? Do you run to yourself? Do you run towards self-indulgence? Do you run towards self-glorification? Because I'm totally in control and king of my world with no hindrances. Or do you run to Jesus? And his kingdom and his honour and his righteousness and his power and submitting to him as his slave. When you are free, do you use your freedom as something as a gift or to cover up evil? 
Where do you run? Our mission is to run home and to make sure that this house, there is always order in the house. Let me pray. Father God, by your spirit, work within us an instinct to run home to you. That when the pressure's on, we might seek your glory and your righteousness. And that when the freedoms are available, we might use them to glorify your holy name, that others may see your glory and be drawn into your kingdom and transformed by Jesus. We ask in his name. Amen.